Hey everybody, I'm Chef Tim Lopez. I'm a line cook at the Philadelphia Eagles Novacare Complex in South Philadelphia. This podcast is where we take a step off the field and take a look at what's on the plate for our players, coaches, chefs, and celebrities from around the world. This is Feeding the Birds, presented by Amorosos. Hey fans, it's Chef Tim Lopez, Feeding the Birds podcast presented by Amorosos. We are in episode seven of our third season, and we have a great episode for you today. Once again, we're back in Reading Terminal Market. I have an interview with two wonderful gentlemen from two great establishments. We have an interview with Sam Real. He is co-owner of Haltman Family Meats. They've been in that market for years and years and years, bringing some of Lancaster County's best meats and meat products, such as sausages, bacon, steaks, chops, you name it. They've got it. Going to talk to Sam Real about everything that he puts out in the market. Also on the podcast today, I have an interview with Chef Steve Saffron. He is the owner and operator of Herschel's Eastside Deli at the Reading Terminal. They got the best corned beef and pastrami Rubens in the business, and we're going to get into all of that with Chef Steve on our podcast today. And coming up a little bit later in our episode, I got to sit down with the voice behind the Ross Tucker football podcast, Ross Tucker himself. We got to create a Ross Tucker-style sandwich for our Amoroso sandwich spot, and we got into some of his ratings that he does for press box eats around the NFL and collegiate football. It's all coming up on Feeding the Birds podcast, and first we're going to kick it off to our interview with Sam Reel of Haltman Family Meats. I'm sitting down once again at the Reading Terminal Market. It's a busy day here, and I have the privilege of sitting down with Sam Reel. Uh, he is the owner of Haltman Family Meats, and we're going to get down and dirty and talk about what I consider, and a lot of our players who do come and get your products, consider to be one of the best butchers in the city. So, tell us first, Sam, about the history of Haltman Family Meats with the Reading Terminal Market. All right, yeah, so... Uh We've been here, It's I think we're roughly right around, uh, the original Haldeman has been here right around 100 years. We're right around the 100-year mark. Uh, I'm not sure exactly off the top of my head what that date is, but early 1900s. And then my parents were involved, and yeah, me and a few of my brothers had just taken over a couple years ago, actually. And um, we grew up in the writing terminal. We love it. And we're basically third-generation butchers which, you know, makes it easy, but it's a different world in the butcher. Um, you know, it's a little different than it used to be back in my grandpa's days, but uh, yeah, it's kind of how we started, got in here and had the opportunity, and it's a perfect place, perfect place to be. Do you have a lot of vendors that are in the market here? That Do they get some product from you guys? I always wonder about that, about the butcher shops, if yeah. they sell to the vendors. Yeah, there is. You want to mention of, any of them? Yeah, or? If you Dutch Eating Place. Okay. Down Home Diner. Gotcha. Um, there's Molly Malloy's. Basically, those three restaurants do. Exclusive do like, Altman Family yeah, Meats. Yeah, I yeah you'll even see contracts. our name on, our men, on their menu. Oh, that's yeah. terrific, man. There's <laughs> nothing like eating at Molly Malloy's and realizing that the steak you're eating, yeah. you just turn around and right behind you is the market that it came from yeah. where it got cut fresh. I mean, what's yeah. better than that? Yeah, you can't beat that. That morning, cut fresh that morning. You're eating it on your plate uh, a couple hours later. Perfect. Got you, man. What would you say 
in the entire butcher shop? What's what's the most popular thing? What flies off the shelves that you guys are putting out there? Well, I mean, nobody ever says they can have too much bacon. That's that's a staple. Oh, I mean, come you. on, bacon is like the thing. But uh, yeah, bacon, tons of it. But yeah, if we get into like the beef line. Um, Philadelphia is a big ribeye steak city. I, they love ribeyes. It's we'll do double, triple of those versus the New York Strip, uh, porterhouse, even fillets. Philadelphia is strictly ribeyes. It's crazy, and uh, they love. Some people like it with the bone. We have those, you know, those nice tomahawk steaks they call that everybody's, you know, everybody's looking to plate and yep. they're beautiful after you, uh, you know, grill them or something. They're perfect. Uh, but yeah, in pork, we do quite a bit of pork. Pork chops are really popular. So in those three lines, bacon, in the steak line, it's definitely a ribeye. In the pork line, definitely a pork chops. Bone-in pork chop. Preferably. I'm also a big fan of the sausages. Sausages oh, are fantastic, yeah. man. I was just talking to uh, you actually in the market um, when, I, when I came to get you for the interview. And uh, the one thing I said about the tomahawks is... When I've gotten here early, when the market's just opening, you guys are just filling up the case for the day. When I see the bones of the tomahawks rise up, when that steak stands up, I know that I know. Hey, it's time to start the day. It's time to. Stay. It's like the rising sun. You know, those are beautiful tomahawk steaks. You know, I got. I always take pictures of them because uh, it just. I remember what they taste like, so I like to see them before I cook them, and then after I cook them, they're just melting your mouth, delicious. Yeah, so it's a beautiful, beautiful cotton. It really is. I 100% agree. Do you tailgate at all, Sam? You know, I yeah, some I used to more when I was younger, but yeah, I don't want a ton anymore. But every now and then, we get over to the you know one of the games, Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers. You know, every now and then. So what would you take from your wonderful line of products? and bring and present for the perfect tailgate. The perfect go tailgate yeah. starts, oh, our most popular burger. Bacon, cheddar, beef burger. So it's bacon bits, mm-hmm. not ground. I don't like it ground in the, in the ground meat. I like bacon pieces. So fresh chopped bacon fresh, pieces. Fresh, don't grind it. I, that's, not, that's not the way we do it. Some people like to grind it into the ground beef. No, got to put the bits in, got to put uh, fresh cheddar cheese in. Throw it on a grill, middle of a tailgate. Oh man, crowd They're Eight ounces. Oh, eight ounces. Not, not the four, not the tiny no, no, ones. Good, good for you, man. Eight ounce. Yeah, that would be my go-to. I'd be there. And then probably like a, you gotta have a little sausage too. Maybe like a smoky cheddar turkey sausage or something. Has a lot of flavor. Those are popular. I'd mm. I'd eat both of those at a tailgate. That sounds fantastic, brother. Obviously, Eagles players come here a lot. I'm sure you recognize him a lot. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the sightings you may have had of Eagles players? Because I know one for sure, because he brings me your product every day. Yeah, I the rugby player. I just seen him the other week. Oh, Jordan Mulata. Yeah, Mulata, yeah. yeah. He's I in there a him. lot? Yeah, and I thought I was a tall man, but good. <laughs> I think everybody thought they were close. tall till they met Jordan. It's and ridiculous. then when he bumped his head on their ceiling, they're like, okay, yeah. I guess I'm not that tall. And I know we've had... Malik Jackson. Malik Jackson. Comes okay. and gets fresh sausage, your breakfast stuff. Okay. Okay. From you guys all the time. He's got the apple cinnamon one. Oh, and he brings that to me over at the Eagles Nova Care Cafeteria. And he gives it to me every morning fresh. So I know he Sweet. came here and he got it. <laughs> and I cook it up for him. A la minute, right there on the grill. We fold it into the omelet or the scramble or whatever he's getting for that day. Mm-hmm. And the, it's fantastic. And I said, dude, do me a favor. Bring me one extra and let me try it. <laughs> 
because I hadn't had that particular sausage. Hands down, my man, you guys, I know you know your business, but that, yeah. that blew my mind. That is a fantastic product. Thank so you. Thank I'm, you. I'm happy to make that for him every day. Yeah. Every time he comes in with that little bag, he's like, I got some more. I said, oh, you got the good stuff. You got the Haltman? <laughs> yeah, Amen. they're awesome. The apple cinnamon, yeah. That's good stuff, bro. Yeah. All right, tell me one thing that people might not know about your butcher shop. We're family. There is a lot of family behind the store, which is a lot of us are related. A lot of my family is involved. A couple of my brothers, my mom and dad are still fully involved. This market here, Reading Terminal, is a family. You know, there's a lot of family-owned and operated businesses in here. There's not a lot of chain places. In fact, there's none, as far as I can tell, um, which is great because no matter who's coming here or where they're coming from, you're walking into a family environment. I love it. All right, last thing I'm going to take you out on. Where's another place in the market? Obviously, you guys are purveyors of the raw meats and things like that. I also love your smokehouse stuff. I get stuff for the dogs there all the time. Okay, What's another place in the market that you consider to just be amazing, whether it be where you can buy a product or where you can get something you know, cooked to eat? Give me, give me your top. Uh, top of my head? Yeah. Apple fritter from Byler's Donuts. Yeah. Cannot beat it. A lot of people tell me about the apple I know, fritter. I know everybody says that in terms but yeah, Byler's Donuts. That's uh, it's a dessert. It's delicious. Uh, as far as maybe a lunch item in the market, I would say Molly Malloy's cheese steak, which is really good. They have a ribeye steak and cheese, like a cheese, I want to say like a cheese sauce kind of maybe. Are they getting the ribeye really steaks good. from you guys for no, that? They're not, no, they're not? No, they're not. Molly Malloy's, listen really up. Good. <laughs> you got quality ribeyes right across the street there. Literally two steps away. There's an easy way to go ahead and do that and shave it down. I'm not saying you don't have a good cheesesteak. I think you have a fantastic cheesesteak, but use these guys. They're right there, you know? Whenever I've made uh, cheesesteaks for, for fresh ribeye, like shaved fresh ribeye, yeah, yeah. it's blown my mind. Not that, you know, the other products you yeah. can get are not that good, but still, no. the fresh product is absolutely it's amazing. insane. It, is. it really is. Yeah, you know? it's uh, other than, yeah, in the city, one sandwich I do like is, and when I go to the stadium, if I'm not tailgating, I get the uh, talk of the town. That's my favorite. Yeah, right under, right under the favorite. bridge there, yeah, man. Right See them every day on the way the to work. Little, little joint yeah. on the side. Yeah, oh, it's like that. so unassuming, but they've been there for oh. so long. And literally, I, I've talked to so many different Eagles players on this podcast. And uh, sometimes that's the first cheesesteak they're experiencing. If they're coming from mm -hmm. elsewhere in the country or even mm -hmm. in Jordan Malata's case, mm -hmm. across the world, you know, that's the first spot that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. I know Lane Johnson told me. He's like, I had one talk of the town. He's like, gobble that down. Yeah. He's like, that thing was amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, I love their cheesesteaks. They're, they're, they're good guys, man. Yeah. All right, my man, Sam. I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I really appreciate all that family love you guys put on your products every day. And thank you for sitting thank down you. with us on Feeding the Birds. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. I want to thank Sam Real once again, also his brother Jacob, who I connected with at the market. Let me tell you, fans, every time I go there, I just stare longingly at those tomahawk steaks that I see fresh cut in their window and the delicious homemade homelink sausages that they make. Those guys are wonderful. I, I love that butcher. Be back there many, many times. Fantastic product. Up next, you want to talk about fantastic products. You want to talk about a fantastic sandwich. Chef Steve Saffron of Herschel's Eastside Deli. Like I said, best pastrami, best corned beef Reuben in the business, and we're going to hear about it right now. This is Chef Tim Lopez, and I am sitting in City Kitchen, which I have never sat in before. Uh, 
This space at Reading Terminal Market is reserved for demos and private functions, and it's all thanks to the man I'm about to introduce from Herschel's Eastside Deli. Steve, tell us your full name. Steve Saffron. It is a pleasure for me to come and sit down and talk to you today, Steve. Uh, I want to know everything about Herschel's. Things I already know about Herschel's is that you guys make killer sandwiches. Never, ever do they not satisfy my hunger. Um, I'm a huge corned beef fan, and I love a great Reuben, and we're going to get into that. But first thing I'm interested in, tell us about a little bit about uh, Herschel's history with the Reading Terminal Market. All right, Herschel's uh, was a name of an uncle of mine. My parents were both Holocaust survivors and coming to America. Uh, my father had polio, and my uncle, uh, we had relatives up in New York who owned Katz's Deli and went to work there as a immigrant into America. And so in 1946, he worked there from that, that point until 1989. In 1989, uh, the family sold the business. And when that happened, I told my uncle that I would love to open up something small in Philadelphia. And the Reading Terminal Market is an icon for Philadelphia. It's really what Philadelphia is all about. You know, when you look at, at any city, it's about the neighborhoods. And when you talk about neighborhoods, it's about food. What more of a great place to have a business that represents your food group than the Reading Terminal Market? I am such a believer in, in the passion and, and every family that, that comes into this market is just odd. And, and as a young kid, going up to Cass's Deli, I'd sit in the back room and I'd watch people come in and they would just love and, and talk so, so greatly about the food. So that really inspired me as a little kid. And the Reading Terminal Market is a place we can showcase our, our food groups. Each one of us is a family-owned business. That's another th unique thing about the Reading Terminal Market. We're all family-owned businesses. Uh, there's no corporations in here. There's no uh, uh, franchises. We are who we are. So to, to put your food up on display every single day really is truly the, the biggest reward anybody can have. To hear people rave about what you do is my reward. That's that's how I get paid every day. Um, it can't be any any more real than that. I completely agree with that. I I love to hear adulation for the food that we make at the Eagles uh, Novacare Complex, coming from our players, our coaches, and staff, and pretty much anywhere I've cooked as a chef. That that seems to be like an extra part of your paycheck that you get. You get, to, you get that love of food that you put out, it comes back to you from your client, from your customer, from your friends, your family. That's at the core, really, of what, of what making good food is. You know, you're really just making people happy. And at the end of the day, we all eat. Yeah. And if, you're, if you can really enjoy and have a passion for what you're, what you're doing, it's never, never going to work. Uh, we love what we do. Uh, I'm really lucky to have the greatest group of people that, that, to work with. Uh, my partner down here played football at Temple. That's how we met. I was playing baseball. He was playing football. And out of that, that team, there were six players that played in the NFL. And when you look at the players, they're no different than you and I. Uh, people are just awed by you know, the success that they have. But at the end of the day, they're just normal, everyday eating people. And that's, that's the way we look at it. There's no more common truth. I mean, that's when I first came to the Eagles 12 years ago, I, I was a little... You know, blown away. I'm cooking for professional athletes, and there, there goes Donovan McNabb. There goes, you know, there goes Brian Dawkins. But at the core of it, it's a bunch of hungry guys, man. You know, 
So maybe, if you can satisfy them, they're going to give it back to you. It's great. Maybe hungrier than most. Maybe hungrier than most. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, these guys can put it away. So let's start talking about the food because I know a lot of guys come here to get food. I know Jason Kelsey, when I asked him where the best sandwich in Philadelphia was, he, he, he quoted me, you guys, hands down. He says, the Reuben's my favorite sandwich. My favorite place to get it is Herschel's. Tell me, is that your most popular menu item? Uh, the pastrami Reuben, I think, is our most popular. Uh, pastrami is a little bit more flavorful. It's also a little bit fattier than the corned beef, but at the end of the day, people just love our pastrami. It's uh, our staple. The corned beef, I would say, is our second best, most popular meat that we do sell. Uh, but all our meats are made fresh, homemade every single day. And there's a lot of love that goes into the whole process of making uh, the pastrami, the corned beef, the brisket, the turkey. We make it fresh every day because this is the way we like it. Um, we, we source the best ingredients, we get the best meats, uh, the best spices, and uh, we cook it fresh every day. So you're never getting something that's been sitting around. When people sell corned beef, in most places, that corned beef could have been sitting on the shelf for up to a year and nobody would know because it's uh, usually in a cryovac bag. We don't do anything like that. We make it fresh every day. We cure our own, our own meats here on premise and we sell those meats in tons every, every single week. So that speaks highly for what we're doing. Um, and. We try not to ever uh, cut any corners because when you cut corners, it winds up kind of coming back and biting you in the ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. I, I agree with that. Top quality ingredients produces top quality food. It's a real simple equation. Not a lot of people follow it, but it's amazing to talk with another chef like yourself. And, you know, you realize you're not going to get happy customers unless you really make happy food, and you got to have the best for that. All right, Steve. Um I want to ask you, you say a lot of Eagles players come in and, and, and eat your food. Obviously, we talked about Jason Kelsey. Um, they're regular guys. You know, They want a good sandwich. Obviously, you're, you're, you're the spot, You know, especially the products you put out. We've been talking a lot about that. Can you name any of the Eagles players that you see a lot in here? Uh, we've seen Brett Selk in a lot. Um, some of the off other offensive linemen beside Jason Kelsey come in. Uh, Salomolo. He's got a tough name. Isaac. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Bradley Stewart's whole family came in back when he was playing linebacker. Okay. Um, the there's another offensive lineman that uh, his name name goes past me. Um, a couple of the rookies last year were in. Um, through the years, I've seen so many different players. Uh, come to the terminal. Uh, Johnson. Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson. Yeah. Good guy. A big eater, Lane yep. Johnson. Yep. Uh, I like Last it. year we had um, defensive lineman Barrett. Barnett. 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 Derek Barnett. Yep. Yep. Um, good man. He ate, all good guys. ate with us and he ate behind us uh, at the vegetarian place. I don't know if he was more vegetarian or not. Yeah, he's switching back and forth a little bit. They're, they're all trying to feel out their diets to get the maximum uh, performance. So, yeah, that's very cool. And do you have any uh, favorite Eagles players over the years? Um, as or far as, as eaters, you see on the team, or? as far as eaters, or as far as players, give me eaters first. Eaters, I think Brett Selleck was probably my favorite of all. 
great player. And, of course, Jason Kelsey is another. He's just an all-around great. He's really what Philadelphia is about. You know, when you saw that speech he gave after the Super Bowl, that was so right on for Philadelphia. That really is. Uh, even though he's from Cincinnati and I've got to meet his whole family, he really is Philadelphia at heart. And that's what Philadelphia is about. I'll agree with that. He really bleeds Philadelphia, that guy. 100%. What's your favorite Eagles player on the field all time? Uh, all time favorite, probably Harold Carmichael. Oh, Mr. Carmichael will be happy to hear that. Me and Harold are pretty tight. That's I great. loved Harold's. Uh, it was one game that he, he caught the ball against St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinals. This was back when the Cardinals were playing. Obviously, I go back a few days. Uh, caught the ball. The Eagles were losing by a couple points. Caught the ball at midfield. Went all the way down the field, breaking a couple tackles. Scored a touchdown. To me, that was that was just so awesome. And the Eagles were not that great back then, but he gave you a hundred percent every single time he yes, was he out did. there. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Love you, Harold. Man, thank you very much. All right, we're still talking football here, Steve. I want to. Get into tailgating. You guys bring it here every day. Say you're at a tailgate. What are you bringing? What's the food that you're going to put out of Eagles tailgate? If I'm going to a tailgate, you need a. You need some starch. So we're going to bring some starch with us. But you always need your protein. So the protein that we usually would bring would be our, our pastrami layout, uh, along with some brisket and and some some corned beef. Uh, usually we we do trays of just the meats and we have the breads on the side. For those people that are just meat eaters, they, they devour it. And for those that aren't and just want some sandwiches, they mix it up. So I would just pile it all on, I think. I like a good, I mean, obviously the bread is the sandwich holding it together. The, the, the meat is in the middle. But if you guys lay out that much of the good stuff, I'm going to find it hard to take a piece of bread with that. I would just eat the huge meat platter. I, that's just me, personally. I don't know. So I think that would be perfect for a tailgate. You're, I would, you're, definitely you're coming tailgate. to our tailgate. All right, I will be there, 100%. Tell me one thing about Herschel's that you might not, that people might not know when they come to the market or in general. What, 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 what would be something people might not know about Herschel's? Herschel's is really, truly a family business. Um, every one of our employees are part of our family. And when you get to meet them and you talk to them personally, you get that same feel of who we are as, as not only uh, me personally, but as a whole organization. When I look at every one of my employees, I treat them with the same respect that I would want to be treated in, in the same vein. Um, we try to pay them as well as we can possibly pay them, more than almost anywhere else you can go in this industry. Uh, we try to give them the benefits. We try to treat them the right way. And in turn, they represent who we are. Um, and we feel very lucky to have the people that we have. They're truly great people, and at the end of the day, even though uh, we're, we're one of many places in the Reading Terminal market, the uniqueness of who we are is that we are one big family. I would say that's true even for the market as a whole. When you look at it as a whole umbrella, we are all one big family in here. But truly, in my, in my location, every one of the people that works for me really represents my values and who I am. I care so much for my people as I do for the market. And... We have a program at the market that we're trying to uh, kick off even to a greater extent, which is the education program, where we reach out to schools in the Philadelphia area, usually the more impoverished schools, and bring them to the market to teach them about culinary, teach them about nutrition, 
Uh, we're trying to uh, partner with uh, Thomas Jefferson University, who's moving across the street uh, from the market in the next couple months. And uh, they're going to hopefully uh, offer to us, uh, we've had preliminary discussions about having nutrition as part of our, our education program. So it's a very, very passionate play for what we do here. So when you talk about what, what, what part Herschel's plays in the market, that's really what I want to be known for when I'm never, never going to be here, uh, whatever that date may be. I want people to say, you know, he really brought everything to the market to make it a better place. The market was coming as a kid. I don't know if you grew up in this area, but when I, when I was a little kid, when I came to the market, it was always a special place. You know, you had, you had your, your Amish here who haven't been here that long, but long enough. Uh, you had every merchant in here who, who brought their own passions uh, to the market. Many have been here for so many years. You look at Bassett, you look at Denix, you look at Spataros, uh, you, look at, you look at some of the Amish, you look at uh, Haldeman's and, and uh, Godshaw's, places that people talk about. When I when I'm travel all over the country and that people, I tell people that I uh, have a business at the Reading Terminal Market, that everybody knows one of the businesses. It's amazing how people have come here on some occasion or, or, or very frequently to, to visit the market for many different reasons. For me, it was about family. You know, uh, coming here as a little kid, having lost uh, my parents and, and having uh, my brothers and sisters, coming here was just truly a, a wonderful place. You just felt that warmth and that joy. Food brings that to, to, the, to the table. And when we, we do a thing at the market, and maybe Anoush later on can talk to you about this, is uh, we, we have these cultural uh, interventions with different, different ethnic communities who may be at odds in, in the world, but when you bring them in together and you talk about the foods and you break bread with them, all of a sudden those barriers break down. So those are the things that make, make really the Reading Terminal Market a special place. Breaking those barriers down, uh, giving people insights into different cultures. Different, different ethnic uh, foods and, and socioeconomic conditions. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor. There's a place in here for everybody. Yeah, you can get a good meal here, and you can get a good meal within the populace that's in here. Everybody's mixed together. You know, you're all breaking bread together under this roof, under this umbrella. It's all one big family. You know, I've been with the Eagles for 12 years. I feel the same way about that organization. They treat everybody like family. And... Being able to share my love of food and my skill with cooking and put it on a plate for a football player, somebody in front of the house, walk the tailgates, experience things with the fans, cook for the coaches, cook for some of their families that come in. Bringing that love of food and bringing that love of culture and just bringing love and just saying, look, man, I I want you to taste this because I, I want you to be happy. I want to share this with you. I see that here in Reading Terminal Market. That's why when I come in here, I didn't live in this area when I was a kid. But every time I come here, I feel like a little kid in a candy store because this place is absolutely amazing. Do you have a favorite food that you like to cook? Oh, I would say some of my favorite foods to cook, it's not going to be one thing. Um, I love doing barbecue. I also love seafood. And if I could ever master it, I would hope to make some of the stuff that you guys are most known for. I, I really love good pastrami and good corned beef, and they make what is hands down my perfect food, which is a sandwich. <laughs> so I would say those are my top three. Anything I can make a decent sandwich out of, it's pastrami and corned beef. Um, barbecue, I do a lot of brisket and ribs, and seafood. I love growing up shrimp and scallops is probably my number one. Well, we're going to bring you in here in the, in the fall. 
to do a demonstration. I hope you're you're willing to come in. I'd be happy to. Uh, we'd love to have you do one of your whatever your favorite food is. Come in and bring it bring it to the house. All right, I got some good ideas. I would love to do that for you, Steve. I want to thank you so much for your time today. This is uh, is beyond real. It's like meeting my heroes all under one roof. So thank you for sitting down with us on Feeding the Birds podcast. You're quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, absolute pleasure to sit down with Chef Steve of Herschel's Eastside Deli. Not only did he give us a wonderful interview, he pretty much opened the market to us. Uh, My producer Peter Kelly and I were a little at odds with a place to find that was a little quieter in the market to do our interviews. Steve opened up the doors of the city kitchen, let us use it as a home base, and it was fantastic just to be able to be in there, still have the market bustling around us, and yet conduct some really fantastic interviews. I want to thank Chef Steve again, and I want to say thank you for bringing those wonderful sandwiches to the city of Philadelphia. Finally on the show today, we have an interview with Ross Tucker. As I've said before, Most know him from the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He's worked with ESPN, The Athletic, played for seven seasons in the NFL as a defensive lineman, and I got him to sit down with me in the studio and tell me about a sandwich that he really loves and also how he rates press box foods around the NFL and in college football. And we're going to hear about it right now. Mm. It's time for our main course. Presented by Amorosos. Hey everybody, I'm sitting down today on the Feeding the Birds podcast presented by Amorosos with... Oh, he's a little bit of an NFL legend, I would say. Not at all. Oh, come on. (laughs) Come on. The voice you're hearing is Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Wonderful to have you in studio, sir. Tim, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I didn't even know that there was a Feeding the Birds podcast. I'm going to start to listen. Anybody that follows me on social media or listens to any of my shows or whatever knows that food is extremely important to me. I have very strong opinions. I don't know why there are so many people in the world that don't know the right answers when it comes to food, such as always use spicy mustard. Yellow mustard is for losers. Like, I mean, there are things that people should just know in life that for some reason they don't. So I like to educate. That, that that's why I'm here. You get some hot takes coming right right out of the gate. You know, really yeah, looking down kidding, on the yellow you? mustard guys out there. Can you name a situation where yellow mustard is better than spicy? No, you can't. Good try. Damn, you didn't even give me a shot. <laughs> uh, I for one don't use it uh, directly on food I'm about to eat, but I have used it as part of a marinade or a rub. So what, uh, yeah. Okay, I can see yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It actually uh, goes pretty well on ribs to help the rub stick and creates a nice crust in the smoker. Really? Yeah, you should See, try. See, you're like next level, dude. Uh, that's what but I do. I mean like, but I mean like on a Philly pretzel. No, or a spicy sub. mustard. Right, right. I don't know. Here's, here's the thing. You want you want to know something crazy? Who's busting out the Frenches on their Philly pretzel? You want to know something crazy? Now, this what? is probably like sacrilegious to you, but you know there. You know if I'm there are times where like I'm on the road and I'll get a sub at Subway, right? All right. I know you're probably like you want like an authentic deli, but whatever. I'll, no, I'll you want a, you, a Wawa sub would be better, but go well, ahead. if I'm around here, yeah. if I am, I'm yeah. talking about like I'm North Jersey or whatever. So I'll get a Subway sub. Do you know, even like after I fill in for Dan Patrick in Milford, Connecticut, there's a Subway sandwich shop right below where Dan's studio is, Mm -hmm. and they only have one mustard. They are only required to have one mustard, and the one mustard they have is yellow mustard. So so what, you're just boycotting now? No, well, so here's the thing. (laughs) 
Number one, okay, if your sandwich shop, if you're struggling so much, because I said to him, well, why don't you have spicy measures? Well, it's an overhead thing. It's an inventory thing. Oh, that's a BS answer. Like, I'm sorry. You, that's a BS answer. If you're struggling that much as a business that you can't have one bottle of spicy mustard, we, we should probably have a long conversation. But I don't know a person in America that wouldn't agree with me that if you can only have one mustard at a deli, it's spicy mustard. Especially if it's a deli. Yes, it's a For subway crying out or a loud, deli, ha- half the time they call it deli, deli mustard. mustard. That's right. Thank you. So I'm with you on that. Um, but that's a BS answer. Overhead, this and that. I don't care who you work for. You know, I'm not a sandwich maker. Just I am, but I make a whole lot of other stuff too. Right. But that's a BS answer. If your customers are clamoring for a certain item, you provide that to maintain your customer well, even satisfaction. Here, Tim, even in the cafeteria here, you guys have horseradish mustard. Yep. You have Dijon mustard. Yep. And you have regular yellow mustard. That's correct. And my, I, I like Dijon mustard yeah, too. I, I like Dijon too. Delicious. I like mustard with some flavor. I don't. I don't want just that bright yellow vinegar. It's like okay. You know, I'm, I'm not hating me. on it entirely because we do use it for certain. You know, I mean, you can make a good, pretty good honey mustard with it, but Dijon or uh, or spicy mustard uh, makes a better honey mustard. Totally so. agree. So we're in mustard land. I assume you're putting mustard on the sandwiches. Let's jump into sandwich land real quick. Okay. All right. Uh, Ross knows what he's talking about because he does these press box interviews. But before we get into that, it's time for the Amoroso's sandwich spot. Started this tradition with Nigel Bradham. We're going to do it again. We're going to make a Ross Tucker sandwich. So okay. this section is presented by Amoroso's. Amoroso's known for making the best Philly bread to make the best Philly sandwiches. So Ross Tucker, what is on your perfect sandwich? I will say this, by the way. I don't know that I really appreciated this till I got a little bit older. Bread is extremely important. Oh, yes, I agree. It really is. And Amoroso's is fantastic. So I'm glad to hear that they're a sponsor. Um so I'm going to tell you some things I really like. I'm a, I have a little bit of a conflict, Tim, and I want you to help me with this. So I could tell you my favorite tasting things, but also I'm a former offensive lineman that's trying to live my life under 250 pounds, which is not very easy. So I do intermittent fasting, number one. But number two, like, even though my favorite sub, like, I'll just use Subway because people know it. My favorite sub would be like an Italian or a BMT, Right. I get like the ham and turkey because I'm trying to be a good boy. Right. And I might throw some guac on it and throw some spicy mustard on it. And then I'm good with that because I'm trying to like keep the calories down. So for my sandwich. Well, let me stop you right there. You say you do fasting. I want this to be the Ross Tucker when you break the fast and you can have any sandwich you want. Okay. Your wildest dreams. Because we know you're trying to keep the 250. Former offensive lineman. Okay. I got no problem with nutrition. You know, it's for your longevity. It's yeah. for your health. Let's break it down to the nitty-gritty. What is the quintessential Ross Tucker sandwich? Okay. So let's go. Let's start with a grilled chicken base. Okay. Let's put on top of the grilled chicken some American cheese. All right. And then on top of the American cheese, um, trying to think what what of the like uh, Italian cold cuts you think I should add, like a capicola or something. See, I am always see with the chicken. You're throwing me. Uh, you're throwing me there. I, I got to go. Out. I got to go either pancetta. Okay. 
or Soprasada. Or as both? Italians say, Soprasada. We could do both. How we could both? do So we got chicken, got American cheese, and then to mix it up, Soprasada. Grilled chicken pancetta. is warm. It's warm. The okay. American cheese is melted. And then the Soprasada and what's the other one you said? Pancetta. <laughs> pancetta. Mm-hmm. They go on top right. of the grilled chicken with the cheese on it. So they like submerge into, into, that into the American cheese. They I like, like melt into it. And you know what would help if we if we heated those up a little bit too. Get That's the pancetta saying. slightly oh, everything, crispy. Everything's, everything's hot. Everything's yeah, hot. Everything's yeah hot. the whole okay. thing is going in the oven. And then, you know what? I don't need bacon. I don't need that. I'm going to put on that. Uh, how about a little bit of guac? Okay. And a little bit. Of spicy mustard, and I'm good. I like it. I like right I like there. what you built there because you took different elements from different cuisines and made it your own. Yes. So so I'm running the list here. We got a grilled chicken breast, nice and hot, melted American cheese. We got some seared soprasat and seared pancetta with a little bit of guac, and of course, topped with spicy mustard. Ross, what kind of bread are you going to put that on? You're going to do it on a Philly roll. You can do it on maybe some sourdough, seared sourdough. What What do you got? What do you got? Uh, I'll go Philly roll. Okay, on a oh, Philly actually, roll. Oh, oh no, I got something better. A Philly. I don't even know if this exists. A Philly pretzel roll. I believe they have I like pretzel, pretzel rolls. rolls. Yeah, I'll just go pretzel roll. So a nice soft but pretzel I'm just roll. Saying, Philly, a nice soft mm. pretzel roll. Did you toast? The roll? Toast everything. You toast like butter toasted roll? Yes. All right. Butter toasted. I can just I can see that in my mind, roll. like cutting it in half and just seeing the different meats and the different colors with the guac and the mustard, uh, the deli meats, the chicken breast, the melted cheese, and then you've got that really nice golden brown pretzel with the little salt on top. That sounds damn good, man. I'm, and maybe I'm a little it. cup of that spicy mustard just for dipping the corners. Yeah, it's just a pretzel for the roll. Case. That's right. Yeah. That, that's the beauty of the pretzel I love it. roll. All right, there you go, buddy. The pretzel buddy. roll lives on its own. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. But it needs that spicy mustard to finish it off. That's the Ross Tucker sandwich right there, created right here on the Feeding the Birds podcast, presented by Amorosos. All right, we got your sandwich. I love it. Let's do your history a little bit. Princeton University. Let's yeah. start there. Well, let's start before that real let's quick. Let's start before that. Let's talk, no, talk just, about your stuff. Just so you know, and the listeners know, if, if they've been watching the games, they know this, but I'm from Reading. I'm from Reading, yeah. Pennsylvania. Grew up a huge Eagles fan. Used to go to Westchester training camp all the time. At one point, I had Randall Cunningham's autograph 17 times, I think. That's how often I went to Eagles training on the, camp. On the same item? or No. Randall, sign it here one when you day, signed it last year. One no. day, Randall said to me, Man, haven't I already signed like three or four things for you? I was like, I know, but this is your this is your rookie card. I need you to sign this. This is your this is your second flare rookie card or Fantastic. whatever. So uh grew up a huge Eagles fan. Um, you know, at, why I'm missing outside of Reading is actually where I grew up. And then yes, uh much to my surprise, my dad's five nine a buck seventy. So I became a much bigger, better player than I ever thought I'd be. And I remember my junior year of high school, I started getting letters from like Prince and Harvard. And I remember my dad being like, yeah, right, you're not smart enough to go there. And then I found out if they if they want you for football, you know, they can they can help you get admitted to school. And so, like a lot of Pennsylvania kids, I wanted to play for Penn State. Penn State asked me to walk on. I thought, man, if I can go to Princeton or Harvard because of football, I got to do it. So I went to Princeton because I thought I'll never make the NFL. I might as well just go get the best degree I can. So you didn't see any of it coming. You were, you were saying, I'm going to get the degree. I don't see the NFL. And boom, the NFL came knocking. Yeah, I, honestly, I, my freshman year, I started a couple games at the end. 
and then uh, Matt Burke was the left tackle for Harvard. He got drafted in the sixth round by the Vikings. Went on to have a 15-year awesome career. But I remember, and then they moved me to offensive line because I gained like 20 pounds over Christmas break. We got, we had a lot of fun during that Christmas break, and every night ended at the diner at 2 a.m. I would get a ham and cheese omelet, a stack of pancakes, and a chocolate shake. 2 a.m. every night during Christmas break. I could live with night. that. I could live I, with that. I That's finished, a good 2 a.m. I finished football season at 2.60. I came back from Christmas break at 284. Oh, my. I gained 24 pounds of ham and cheese omelet, pancakes, and diner. So anyway, so um, <laughs> I still didn't really think much about the NFL, but I thought maybe I could just get a chance in training camp or something. I really just wanted – like when you go to school like that, Tim, I really just wanted to go against a guy from like Notre Dame or Alabama and just like see how good they were. Mm. And then my senior year, uh, you know, my junior year, actually I got called by a couple agents – Ended up signing with Joe Linta, who's got like Joe Flacco and some guys in the league still. And, uh, you know, much to my surprise, I got signed by the Redskins right after the draft and made the team. It was unbelievable. So uh, it was a dream come true. It, I, it almost wasn't even a dream come true because I think by the time I was like 10, I just didn't think NFL was realistic. Like I wanted to be a broadcaster. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be on like ESPN. Or I wanted to write for Sports Illustrated because I just looked at my dad. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna be able to be big enough to go to the NFL. But just, I just kind of kept getting bigger and better, and I kind of, I'm very fortunate. You I know, think, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, one career begat the other, begat the other. I mean, that, you know, full full circle well, for you, say, man. So, so the two things I always tell people is number one, I'm 40. I've never had a real job, and number two. <laughs> Like I, 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 you could legitimately say like I've had two dreams come true. Like playing in the NFL was my dream from when I was four to nine, and then when I started to think realistically, which wasn't realistic, I guess, from ten to eighteen or whatever, I I wanted to be a broadcaster, and I've been able to do both, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that, that's a cool hand in hand career life there. I love it. I love it, man. Way to capitalize on the life you created for yourself right out of college. And just make it work for you down the road. Well, know? and to that, to your point, every off season I did a different internship because I knew football was a temp job. So, like with the Redskins and in Buffalo, I uh, I worked for Merrill Lynch. In fact, one year in Buffalo, Troy Vincent, former Eagle, helped me get my Series Seven and Sixty Six securities licenses. When I was with the Cowboys, I actually interned for Roger Staubach's commercial real estate company. So I looked at it like. Football's a temp job. Uh, let, let me, and in the offseason, all you really do is lift weights. Mm-hmm. So I might as well, and, and you're done by noon. I didn't feel like playing video games the rest of the day or whatever. Right. So uh, twice a week, I would go to some office and figure out what commercial real estate was about or what finance was about and um, be very glad that I got a job in media instead. <laughs> so you, you would recommend that then to some of these guys? Oh, that, like, my gosh, They've yeah. got the downtime. Try to expand your skill set because you never know what's coming down the road. I, and let me say this, too. I remember saying this when I was in Buffalo. It's only twice a week for, like, four hours a day, right? So eight hours a week. It's not much. But, like, in Buffalo, putting on a suit and tie and driving 20 minutes downtown – and parking in a parking garage and walking into an office and then sitting at that desk was unbelievable motivation to play football as long as I possibly could. <laughs> I you know what I mean? Like it. sometimes guys, sometimes guys in the league are like, man, it'd be nice to just have a desk job. No. No, you'd be no bored. it you'd be wouldn't. Bored. I had a desk job and now I drive that grill for the Eagles uh, and 
that's that's my favorite desk ever because it makes really good food. So I couldn't go back to a cubicle. I used to work in uh, communications years ago. So number one, so I played for five teams. I think, trying to think, Redskins for sure, Cowboys for sure, Buffalo yes, New England's probably the closest, and then Cleveland. Uh, you guys have the best cafeteria. Now, in fairness to those other teams, that was 2001 to 2008. Mm-hmm. But the Eagles absolutely have a better cafeteria, more options, better food than any of those teams did. I could even rank them for you. I'll tell you this much. Yeah, go ahead. Let's rank them because I want to hear about your rankings later too with yeah, Press yeah, Box. Yeah. Okay, so. so I would say so last without question is the Dallas Cowboys. So how about this, dude? So number one, it was all like crap. Like it was all like fried chicken, mashed potatoes with like sopped in gravy. I couldn't believe it. Like we were professional athletes, and they would serve us crap. Not only that, how about this? They would payroll deduct $50 from your paycheck every week for lunch. The only one of the five teams I ever played for that did that. 50 bucks, it might have been 100 bucks a week for lunch. I went to the finance guy and I said, What is this? He's like, Oh, that's for lunch. I said, Well, what if I just like pack a turkey sandwich and bring it in? Will you put it back? Will you put, he's like, uh, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked that before because I already didn't love the food. Right. And then they're charging me for it. Right. It was, uh, it, it was not good. So Cowboys clearly last. I mean, it was just, it was not healthy. It was not good tasting. It was bad all the way around. I couldn't believe it. I would say I was only in Cleveland for a month. I think I remember Cleveland being pretty decent. I remember now the Bills did a really nice job with having several options, and they were really good with nutrition. Like they would work with you and tell you exactly what you needed. Then they'd have, you know, like pancakes that. They were like whole wheat pancakes or whatever, mm-hmm. rather than other yeah. kind of pancakes. Like, I made some this morning. Yeah, yeah. They, they were really, the bills were on top of it in terms of nutrition. So I would eat a lot there, but it was all really healthy. So I'm going to go Bills 1. Who else am I missing? Bills 1, Cleveland probably. No, Bills 1, Patriots 2. Patriots had a bunch of options. Cleveland 3, Redskins 4. Cowboys five, but really the first four are all pretty close. the The moral of the story here is the Cowboys were awful. Okay, well as they continue to be, <laughs> you know, I, I don't like to to poke too much. I think our our fan base does enough to uh, get Dallas riled up, but uh, you know, if we're gonna we're gonna poke any team in the NFL, it's that's the one we, we got to poke Dallas. Yeah, awful cafeteria food. You know, I don't know what you guys are doing, <laughs> and uh, no, I will not give you advice. Sorry, go birds. All right, that's good that you rated those, man, because I was going to ask you that, and you went right into it. That's perfect. Yeah. So Eagles are still at the top, right? We're still at the top, even with, though you without, said the rest of everybody was above the Cowboys. I was talking about the teams that the I teams played that you for. Played, you played without for. question, Eagles would be number one. Right. I'm not just saying that because you're here. No, now, I would. I would but, assume. But not, again, yeah. in fairness, this was ten years ago now. Right. So, but like, like your smoothie station. Yeah, I've been here longer than your, ten years. Your, spe- so, yeah. your smoothie. Like the other teams didn't even have like a salad bar like you guys do. You guys have a top-notch salad bar. You always have at least four entree options. You always have on the side like some type of like uh, 
acai bowl or pasta bowl. You're like the acai bowl or yeah, the, yeah, the mean, action stations are great. Yesterday, I had. Uh, I'm trying to think what I had. Oh, yesterday I had like sirloin tips and tuna, and threw them on top of a bed of sautéed kale. Mm, that, that was good kale with the cranberries in it. Yeah, so that was good. so good. And then I had a whole plate of sushi. Yep. It was deli- like mm. salmon and tuna sushi. Mm. So, so good. Came on sushi day. It, it was, was a good day to oh be here. Oh, my gosh. So yep. good, man. Like, and other team is just, nobody ever had that many options. But, and, and again, people think I'm, people think that this is either my fandom growing up or because I am doing the preseason games for the team and I'm like biased. But in general, this is the most impressive organization top to bottom I've been around. Now, I will say the Ravens are pretty impressive too. Ravens are very impressive. Um, Seattle in a bunch of ways. Patriots in a bunch of ways. But they're just so restrictive with things that it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to give them a lot of love in that regard. But top to bottom, marketing. PR, community relations, ownership. It's just a really impressive organization. I mean, even just the guys, like Darren Sproles lives in Southern California. He's got kids. The Chargers wanted to sign him. And he said, nah, the only team I wanted to play for was the Eagles. Like that's, yep. That is yep. impressive. That's a family here, man. Yeah. That's a family. Take good care of our guys. I mean, I can, I can only speak from a food standpoint, but all of our stuff in that cafeteria is on point. And I think the biggest thing with the food is the options because we want them to eat healthy, but they also have to have the option to eat what they want to eat. Right. You know, you can put out roasted garlic, mashed potatoes and smoked beef ribs, but you still got to have quinoa available. You still got to have the sauteed kale with the garlic and the cranberries and just educate. Yeah. And you, we educate our players about their diets uh, so they can make the right choices. They have their cheat days. Everybody has a cheat day. Everybody has guilty pleasures, but when they come into the cafe, when they utilize the fuel bar, when they get meals from our performance chef, there's an education and a knowledge about the food that they're putting in their bodies, and there's always options available. That's the secret, I think. I think probably the whole NFL is a lot better at, about that stuff than they used to be. Mm-hmm. And I would say, if I, I don't have very many regrets, but I wish I would have eaten healthier in high school and college and maybe even my first couple years in the NFL, I, I didn't really even know much about it until Buffalo really educated me. 2003, 2004, 2005, Buffalo was the first team I was on where they were really on top of it. Okay. A little cutting edge on that. We Our sports science uh, kind of shifted when uh, Josh Hanks got here. You know, head strength and conditioning coach. We got the smoothies going. We got the fuel bar installed. We got a clean eating station this past year they just put in. Every year we seem to take a step towards here's other options for you. Here's the way to stay healthy. Here's to promote your longevity. Here's to get you back on the field quicker. Here's to ease your recovery. You know, food's a huge part of it. So, but now let's take a step into the press box. Yes. Because the guys that aren't on the field I think are just as important because we, we get the games translated through you guys right. for our ears, for our eyes, if we're not physically there in the stands. Um, and they got to feed you. So tell me, I mean, you're, you're known on that, that Twitter account you have 
for doing those press box reviews. First of all, I want to know who's got the best press box food in the NFL. So Twitter and Instagram, both at Ross Tucker NFL. Good call. Any game I do, college or NFL, I do a video of the press box food. And then on my podcast, I actually give it a letter grade and describe it. Um, I still think the best in the NFL is the Green Bay Packers. It's really impressive. And it's because it's a combination of pregame and halftime. So, first of all, I would say you get there because it's noon games there usually because they're central time. So you get there 8.39 in the morning, they have an omelet station going. So you hit up the omelet station right when you get there at like 8.39. Then they'll always have they've got uh, they've got the best salad bar in the league from a press box standpoint. Mm-hmm. This is press box. This is not cafeteria. This is not your domain. Okay. They got the best salad bar in the league. Then they always have really good entrees. A lot of times it's pulled pork. So one of the things I try to do is try to keep cut down on my carbs and bread. So. I get a big plate of pulled pork, and then they call it pac and cheese, like the Packers pac and cheese. And I put uh, mac and cheese on top of the pulled pork and mix it together. It's delicious. I don't need to have a bun and make it like a pork sandwich. I don't Mm -hmm. don't need that. I don't need that bread. That bread's not what's doing it for me. It's the pork and and mac and cheese combo. But then the real keys, and by the way, uh, they've got lots of different mustards, whatever. They, oh, they have peanut butter cookies and all kinds of stuff. But the key is, at halftime then, I bang out two brats. So okay. some people go brat before the game. Mm-hmm. I don't. I go omelet early. Right before the game then, I get the entree and the salad bar. And then at halftime, I get two brats. There's like a 10-minute halftime, dude. I, I put the spicy mustard on it. Somehow I, I down two brats. Usually I'll go one on a roll just because you got to have one brat on a roll. And then the other one, I'll just eat the brat. Mm-hmm. So that to me is kind of what puts them over the edge. The Bucks are really good, believe it or not. The Bucks have Bananas Foster at halftime. Really? Which is nice. So the Bucks are up there. Um, are they doing that to order? Or? They are, right? Uh, they got the guy, the chef with the pan and the butter yeah, and the yeah, yeah. And the brown sugar. Yeah. The booze. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Bucks are up there. Seattle, really impressive. They usually have a nice fish and like sushi and stuff up there. Um, those are the ones that jump out to me. Eagles have always been top 10. They used to have a full salad bar, not as much anymore. And they used to always have like a side carving table, mm-hmm. not as much anymore, but they still have multiple entree options. They always have Philly hoagies. And the key to the Eagles press box is, is a couple of things. They have Diet Snapple, which I love. And they have the vaunted side table, which is Philly pretzels and desserts. So, and they put that out way, way before the game and also after the game. So when I first get there, like three hours before the game, the, the regular food might not be ready yet. But I can always grab a Philly pretzel, and mm-hmm. they're just so good. And then after the game, before I get into my car, I'll grab another Philly pretzel, put it on something, pour some spicy mustard in it, and I'm driving back home eating that eating that that Philly pretzel. Right. They're they're giving you the taste sensation before and after the game, and that kind of gets you warmed up for the main course that they're gonna 
they're going to put out. They do a good job. They do, they a, do good a good job. job. And, and yeah. here's the thing. Like, the media is the people, you just said it, that are talking to the fans about your team. And I honestly think, not not every place, Tim, but there's a decent amount of places where the press box food is kind of a reflection on the organization. Like, there are places where the press box food is bad. I'm not even kidding. Most of the time, the team's bad. And you look at a lot of the good teams, Pittsburgh press box food's good. The Patriots press box food's good. Eagles, Packers, most of the good organizations. It's, it's like some organizations just say, you know what? Let's let's be good at everything. Mm-hmm. Like, let's have, mm-hmm. like, why? Why? Because there's some, like, even last week, Jacksonville, that was bad, bro. I'm just telling you, that was bad. Like, the burgers were not good. The ladies, Trina and the ladies behind the cafeteria staff, you can check my social for the video. They were great, but... It, it was not a good showing by the Jaguars on or off the field last Thursday night. You know, I think, I think what it is is exactly what you're saying. Let's be good at everything. Let's make our players happy. Let's make our staff happy. Let's make the media happy. Let's make the fans happy. I think if everybody's happy, you get a lot more in the win column well, not all only, over. Yeah, not only that, too. If the team stinks, they're going to say that they stink. If the team's awesome, they're going to say that they're awesome. But if they're in the middle... Don't you want those reporters to be fat and happy, so to speak, and yes. kind of give you the benefit of the doubt? 100%. It's even just a reflection of the city. Like, the fact that they actually have a Philly pretzel at every game, like, that's the way it should be. You know what right. I mean? Like, no, it's it showing off your cra- city, yeah. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I go to some of these cities, and they're, like, known for something. Like, the Patriots always have New England clam chowder. Right. Because they should. Well, where's the lobster rolls? What's it? Do they have those? Uh, sometimes they do. Not always, but sometimes they do. All right. But then there's other cities that never have, like— So I would put those out— I mean, if you're the Patriots, it's New England. Yes, the clam chowder, okay. Put out the lobster roll. Dude, Come I on. cannot wait, by the way. I don't care if it's a media press box. Put out the lobster I, roll. I cannot wait to get you on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, I can't wait either, Because i got man. a million questions for you, but I don't want to do it on your show. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you're yeah. going to do it on save, my show. Save them. Save them for me. I, I, trust me. I'll talk your ear off, man. I'll talk your ear off. All right. Let's round it out with a couple of... Quick questions. We ask everybody these, but it used to be three questions. It used to be like burger topping, pizza topping, and then what's a wacky food you encountered? I wrote like 30 more, so I'm just going to jump around my list because right. I kind of got a read on you. There's kind of some stuff I think you're going to tell me a good story about, okay. so let's rock with this. All right. Late night eats versus fine dining. You had to choose one for the rest of your life. This is the type of cuisine you can have, Ross. What do you go for? Late night eats. Late night eats, and what is the Ross Tucker late night eat? What's the hookup? So, okay, so I do intermittent fasting, so I haven't done this in a while. Okay. But back in the day, it used to be General Sow's chicken, for oh. General Sow's, whatever. I love it. Um, I, we used to get like a thin crust pizza, pepperoni pizza was good. Um, I'm a big ice cream guy. Okay. Big ice cream. There's a guy. guy here that loves ice cream. Yeah, I think we know his I, name. So I, right, I yeah. love ice cream. Like I'm trying to figure out the first diet that lets me have ice cream and a double IPA every night. That would make me happy. If there's a diet where you could lose weight and still do that every night, I'd <laughs> you be could happy. probably write the book on it, man. The Ross Tucker diet. You know, there there's you other go. people out there making up their own diets. Yeah, you all you have to do is just not eat the whole rest of the day and yeah, work out seriously, twice a day. Fast the whole day, work out twice, come home, have your IPA and your ice cream. I kind of, I mean, I don't like when I go to a restaurant and it's like, uh, 
words like reduction and stuff like that. I know you're a chef, so this probably hurts your feelings. No, but like, not at all. When not they all. use words, I don't even know what they mean. I'm out on that, dude. I'm yeah. out. I, I, I don't want words. I don't, I don't know what a reduction is, okay? Just tell me what's on the food. Just tell me what it yeah. is. I mean, I went to a place recently. I read the menu. I had to ask, what, what does that even mean? Like, what, what is, like, the main part of that? Well, I'm going to give you a translation uh, lesson right now, okay? So for anybody out there that's ever gone fine dining, we're going to do a little translation right here with Ross, okay? So we're sitting down in a really good fine dining restaurant, me and Ross, and Ross goes, what the hell is this on the menu? And so I read it to him. It's a duck confit, right, with a foie gras mousse. Yeah, that would be duck confit to me. Yeah, duck confit <laughs> with a foie gras mousse or foie gras Yes. As you would have read it, moose is moose. Yeah. yeah. No matter how you slice it. Well, I don't know. Not real moose, but moose like whipped moose. Uh, and then a balsamic reduction. And we've got some truffle mashed potatoes. Yeah. All right. So that sounds real fancy. Yeah. And if somebody ordered that, I don't picture me wanting to really be friends with them. Uh, here's, what, here's the translation. <laughs> Ready? Here's the translation. Duck confit essentially is duck cooked in its own fat. It's absolutely incredible because the duck fat is rich in flavor. The duck is rich in flavor. It's basically a duck leg or a duck breast or both if you're lucky. Okay, so now you're selling okay. it in front of me. They yeah. gotta stop yeah. using That's what I'm fancy talking about. words. You need to translate what it is. So you get a really good duck roasted in the duck fat. Duck I'm, in the I'm duck fat. Roasted leg or breast. Okay. Foie gras is a really, really high end pate made from goose liver. It's really high end rich people food. Yeah. Basically it's like have you ever had chicken livers? Tastes a thousand times better. Okay. Really good flavor. They've got that on there. Balsamic reduction. Balsamic is uh, obviously a vinegar. You know, comes from Italy mostly. Uh, they take the vinegar, reduce it down. It actually almost gets a caramel sweet-like quality. You could even put it on ice cream when it's okay. reduced properly. Okay, so you got sweet. You got really good umami flavor. Umami is uh, just means that the mouth feel the earthiness of the liver and the duck. Okay. So we got duck. Good pate, balsamic reduction, and then truffles are really expensive, delicious, high-quality types of mushrooms in really good mashed potatoes. So it's mashed potatoes with meat, a sauce. I can do without you know, the mushrooms. I'm not a mushroom guy. Not a mushroom guy. But I like what you're – like, I might try it now, okay. now that you told me. Like, well, if you got some snooty dude, guys. Dude, now that I have yeah. your phone, yeah. I, your cell, I legitimately might text you and be you like, should do, Tim, what is this, Seriously, dude? anytime you go what out to eat, they take you somewhere, you know – Anything with a lot of French words in it, just just text me. I don't care what time of day it is. You know, if it's three o'clock in the morning, if you're not at your diner getting your your <laughs> omelet and your and your milkshake and your pancakes, text me and say translate this for me. And I, I will. will. I will. I'll start a. Tr I'll start a f menu Tim to menu or menu to Tim translation service for I, anybody who's interested. You should interested. do that. I'll do it. No, somebody, that should be an app, dude. Don't don't even put that on the podcast. We All should right. legitimately Pete, like you do can, that. You could pull that away. We Ro should legitimately are, do that. Yeah, we should totally. Someone do that. Someone should be able to like um, take a picture of something. Yeah. And then um, there should be a translator like, all right, dude. Here's what it really is. Yeah. That's that way you can, all, you can also, if you take a girl to a nice restaurant and you're looking at that menu, you don't know what it is, you use the Tim and Ross app, and then you could you could order. Stop talking. You know what I'm talking about? This is a legit great idea. <laughs> Stop right. talking. All right. all right. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. We'll keep it close to the vest. Pete's going to delete that part. All right. Ross, any foods you hate out there? Foods you'll never eat? Uh, I do not care for mayonnaise at all. Zero mayonnaise. Even I, flavored mayo? Like I, I, I don't like mayonnaise. Why? It kind of, the concept of it grosses me out. And I think I had a bad experience growing up because my mom was really into mayonnaise. 
So like, like, like she would really put, well, she would just put a lot of it like on my sandwiches. I didn't right. like it, or even like when she made me try to eat like tuna salad or something. It Too was much so mayo. much oh, mayonnaise. Soaked in it. Oh, it grossed me out. No good. I I also didn't like. Gosh, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. I also didn't like salads growing up because my mom would like soak them in dressing it was just too much for me based i also dressing, didn't sure, like yeah. steaks growing up because my mom would would overcook them right so like i didn't eat a steak really till i was like in college i didn't eat salads till i was in the nfl because my mom scarred me for life now i will say this <laughs> you want to know my favorite food what's that, that my mom made and it's still my favorite food this day Cheesy eggs, scrambled eggs with American cheese. That's the only, that that's my specialty. Those are hard to get right because the American tends to burn in the pan before the eggs finish cooking. I bet you got a, a solution though. I do. I mix it all up. I mix it all up, and I they're not runny, but I get them out of there pretty quick. Yeah. And then I'll even put pieces of ham or turkey in there. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It sounds man. good. It's so good. Sounds like good. if I had to have a eating contest, that would be what I would pick. I'm not kidding. I could have two dozen scrambled eggs with cheese at a sitting. Like if it was like Ross, you know, your life depends on how you do in this eating contest against anybody, right? Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Jason Peters, whoever it is, I'd be like cheese eggs, bro. Cheese eggs, scrambled cheese eggs. I want to see that eating. I want to see both of them. I want to see the Terminator and Jason Peters and Ross in the middle. It's scrambled eggs. I am so down for that. It needs to be on the 50-yard line at training camp next year. Love it. Let's do I'm it. I'm all over Let's it. Do, I'll make the eggs. No problem. No problem. That's fantastic. All right. What's the weirdest food in all your travels in your entire life you've ever seen or eaten? Hmm. That's a tough one, but I would say it was fish that like, still had the eye on it. There you go. What is the deal with that? You mean they serve the whole fish? Yeah. yeah. Did that gross you out, or what was yeah, it? Yeah, I don't like it looking You wouldn't at even, me. like, try the, oh, you the know body of the fish? Like? You know what I didn't like? It was either, like, Martha's Vineyard or Nantucket when I was playing for the Patriots. I ordered steamed clams, and they had, like, tails on them or something. It was gross. <laughs> it's called the beard, and they didn't clean them properly then. It yeah. was disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is, I, I'm used to little neck clams. Right. These were, like... There was like, like a, a whole like give you a chowder clams like, like a they turd were hanging oh, from it. It was no, gross. No. Gross. So these gross, were the gross. big these were the big clams. It wasn't even the beard hang. The beard is the part on the clam where the literally it's like this tiny little thing that the clam sends out to like take no, in food. No, that's what it was. Yeah, and they're supposed to clean that off of there. It's it's thin. It's not like a big thick tentacle coming no, out. No, they or didn't. It was gross though. Yeah, just, they didn't clean the beard off. No, right, so don't go back there then. I, I, you I'm should, not going to stop you from eating steamed clams though. You know. A side note. You said you know. Your mom, maybe not the best of cooks. I had a similar experience, and one of the ways I wooed my wife, uh, I'd say, well, I'm a chef. I said, you know, I can make you anything. I said, well, we were dating. What, what would you like? And she went through a list of stuff that she hates. I'm like, well, why do you hate shrimp scampi? She goes, because the pasta's always mush and the shrimp tastes like rubber bands. I'm like, who's been making you shrimp scampi? My mom. Can I tell you a food I really don't like? What? Calamari. Why is calamari? Why not? I think it's fried rubber bands. I think you've had it I don't like incorrectly it. cooked. I don't like it. I'll make you fried calamari, make you like it. They're they're cooking whoever's making you the calamari is making it wrong. They're overcooking it. 
I'll tell you that if it's the rings, right? You're a food if it's the bully. rings, I'm telling you're you. I will bully. make you like it because you're I'll gonna make, make you, it the right I'll way. You, I'll make you like it. I will. <laughs> that was That's amazing. the story I was just getting at. And then I made her the shrimp scampi. And she says, This is what it's supposed to taste like? I'm like, well, that's my take on it. She goes, It's delicious. She goes, I thought shrimp was always rubber bands. I'm like, no, your mother's probably cooking them for like 40 minutes. You can't overcook shrimp and you can't overcook calamari, so. Someday I owe you calamari. Uh, just because it's you, I'll try it again. But I'm, All right. I'm skeptical. This is awesome, man. This has yeah. been fun. Yeah, this is a lot of fun, man. Thanks so much for sitting down with us. Yeah, my really pleasure. I would absolutely do it again. And I'm a thousand percent getting you on the Sweet. Ross Tucker Football Podcast yeah. soon. Hundred percent. We're gonna do cross promotion for you. You do it for us. You know, one hand washes the other. You know what I'm saying? That's the way to do it. There that's we that's go. It's the way to grow the uh, yeah. feeding the birds podcast. Amen. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you for being on our podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you for being on Feeding the Birds, presented by Amorosos. Fantastic interview with Ross, I tell you, man. Uh, Definitely, definitely kindred spirits, he and I. Um, Love talking about his career and how the football begat the the media career. Uh, He's fantastic. I really do hope I can get a chance to sit down with him on his podcast and talk a little bit about Eagles and a lot about food or a lot about Eagles, a little bit about food. You know me, fans. I'll talk about it as much as I possibly can. That'll do it for us today on Feeding the Birds podcast presented by Amorosos. I'm Chef Tim Lopez. I want to thank our guest, Sam Real of Haltman Family Meats, Chef Steve Saffern of Herschel's Eastside Deli, and, of course, Mr. Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Thank you, gentlemen. Fantastic time. So won't you please join us next time as we continue our exploration of the food culture of everyday people who live extraordinary lives. Go birds!